Thank you so much. It could be that you're the first church that we're that concerned about. <laughs> I need to come along and see how that you're getting on, but thank you so much. And uh, it's a little bit strange for us because this isn't going to help you, of course, but in our church back at home in London and all the churches around us, we've not been wearing masks for at least two months. And so um, it's that strange experience of kind of feeling like you've, you've, you've either caught up or gone back, and, uh, and here we are. And it's important to obey, I think, the restrictions that, that we have because that's an honouring thing and a model thing, but it's... Uh, there will come a day when these things will come off and you'll notice the difference. I have to say to you that back, I think it was in June, July, we had a, a, a heat wave uh, down in London. It was 32 degrees on this particular morning and I was in the front and my mask was sticking to my... <laughs> and I could hardly breathe and I didn't know what to do. So I brought a contribution. <laughs> it wasn't anointed... It wasn't, you know, you know, amazing. It was just I couldn't breathe anymore. So I thought the only thing I'd do is make a contribution. So I did it, came back. People responded. It's a bit strange. And uh, so maybe one day you'll feel that as well. But it is absolutely fantastic to be with you. I had the joy of being here for the rest of this week, meeting people and not only you, but other churches as well. So it's a thrill. And you're right, uh, Dan. There's a sense of real affection. Listen, I love always coming here, and it's uh, difficult to express sometimes the depth of affection that we feel as a family of churches for one another. You are not forgotten. You are constantly prayed for. We lift you up in our prayers. Many other people uh, will be uh, joining with that as well. And it's just wonderful to be here with you all. And um, this morning, I'm so encouraged by uh, the words that have come today, because you never quite know whether what you're bringing is going to fit with other contributions. And I just felt to bring something actually quite pastoral in a way. You can go any way, you know, after not seeing one another for a long time, vision casting and, and details of how to do church post-COVID, et cetera, et cetera. But I really felt to bring something that I, I think these words that we've heard today, I'll be able to build on some of those and, and sense God is wanting to speak to people today. We don't come, there's no point coming to a gathering just to go through some kind of motions or a performance. We've come to meet with the living God. We've actually come to encounter him. And so trusting that he's doing that already and will continue to do that amongst us. Normally, I would go to a text and, and preach my way through it, as all good preachers do. But again, I just feel we're in a season of heart searching and, and of heart sharing. And I just want to bring some observations and some lessons that I believe are, are, are being learnt by God's people as a result of COVID. Fear not, it's all biblically based. I haven't changed that much. It's all here in Scripture. And uh, I'm involved with lots of Zoom calls and conversations uh, with leaders of churches about the complications that life has been for us as people, as churches, um, you know, how, how we've been able to do church during this last 18 months and now coming out of that a bit and how do we now do church in a post-COVID generation and some of the conversations are very complicated and very detailed and, and extremely important. We talk a lot about a culture all around us here in the UK that is dramatically changing all the time and how does the church relate to that culture and these conversations are very important. I don't want to uh, belittle them and they're, they're constant and in many ways learning lots and lots of things. Meanwhile, us ordinary folk 
who are in, in a sense just kind of surviving all of this and living from day to day. I think what COVID has done more than anything else, at least in God's purposes for our lives, is that it's stripped away from us so many support systems that we have taken for granted. And it's actually left us with very little to depend upon. It's actually left us with things that that we thought are important and should be built upon. And it's not that they're incidental, but it's kind of like they've been removed from us. And it's been a time to pause and to reflect about what really matters and what is really important. And I feel all through this COVID thing, and I do love talking about the complications and, and, you know, that's kind of the world that I live in. But I think we're going to miss something if we don't realize that COVID also has been this massive invitation from God to his people to simply know him as he really, really is. That's true individually, and it's also true for you kings as a church. And the the invitation is for, for us to know him, and that invitation still stands here today. In a sense, some of the contributions that have come are appealing to us to still come back to this place of what we really believe about God and who he is. And this is not an insular, introspective kind of exercise. For to know God is a really missional thing. Can you imagine what it would be like if every believer in this country truly knew God as he is? And every church in Scotland was flooded with people who truly knew who God is. The impact of that upon this nation would be remarkable. So the question is, who is God? The title for this particular word this morning is Knowing Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is many things and described as many, many things. Many of you will know that. But one of the descriptions of God is that he is one God, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Theologians have spent centuries debating what this is and how can this be and how can God be one but three and three but one and how do they all interact, etc., etc. I spent three years in a library, well, not just in the library, I was doing other things when I was doing theology and uh, trying to work out and grapple with the, the Trinity. And the final lecturer at our college said, you know, it's been amazing trying to work this out, but theologians far brighter than you and me have never been able to understand the complexities of the Trinity. And I thought, it's taken three years, and that's the statement. People more intelligent with me that will never grasp it. Here's the deal. You can get on to that sort of thing. The reality is this. God who's expressed himself as our Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, the purpose for that is that you and I get to know him as our Father, as God the Son, and as God the Holy Spirit. COVID's been an opportunity for you to press into that. How are you doing? Have you missed a beat? Do you feel that God is drawing you closer. Those support systems have have been stripped away, and here you are just before God is your Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the reality is he wants us to experience him as this, and this is an opportunity to do so. 
Let's just look at a few scriptures. John chapter 17 is well known as the prayer that Jesus prayed to his father about you and I as the people of God being united. It's absolutely that, but I want you to see as we read the scripture together, there's more going on than that. John 17 verse 20, Jesus says, I do not ask, he's praying to his father, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may, be all, they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also, they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them... And you in me, that they may be, become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these that you have sent me, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. I just want you to just grasp something most amazing here. Here is the fellowship of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus' prayer, it's the most amazing invitation, is that you and I get to join in (laughs) with the fellowship that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have. That is the most incredible, remarkable thing ever, that you as a Christian are invited not just to stand back at a distance and know theological things about Father, Son, and Spirit, but actually to come. This prayer is about unity, but it's also about us in them, in them in us, and you get to join in with the experience of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This little verse um, in Ephesians Um, Chapter 2, it just says this in verse 18. For, this is Jesus, this is talking about Jesus going, for through him, Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. This wonderful Father, Son, and Holy Spirit brings us right into the very center and the very presence of God. Ephesians chapter 3, well-known passage Notice Father, Son, and Spirit appear again in this passage. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, says Father, Spirit, so that Christ, God the Son, may dwell in your hearts through faith. And look at this invitation, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, What is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It will be the greatest tragedy to go through these last 18 months and not press in to something like knowing the height and depth and breadth and width of the love of God. And we all survived COVID and we all come back together and we even sit in the same seat that we used to sit in but we've not picked up on this moment. COVID for us as Christians is not just about survival. It's an opportunity. It's an invitation. I hope you're hearing 
the heart of God this morning. Even these words that came were appealing for us to press in to know who God really is. So let's spend some moments this morning together looking at Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for it's God's will that we experience all three. And I don't know if it's going to work or not, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to get a COVID uh, application for us as individuals for Father, Son, and Spirit, and I'm going to get a corporate one each time for Father, Son, and Spirit. So let's go on this journey together. Number one, God the Father. As individuals, we need to understand that this is who he is. It's a revelation to us of the fatherhood of God that we should all experience. And sometimes, you know, I talk to people and they say, well, you know, we really do need to know that God is father because we're living in a fatherless generation. It's as if a fatherless generation, and I don't dispute that that's well and truly the case. It's kind of like, because now we're a fatherless generation, God suddenly appears with new revelation about his fatherhood, and that's simply not true. He's always been a father. He was a father before your earthly father turned up. Whether your earthly father was good, bad, great, indifferent, absent, God's revelation to you is he is your father. If you even had a great father, the best earthly father that you could possibly have, you and I need to understand it's not the basis of a relationship with God because of what I have not experienced with my earthly father. It is his revelation of who he is. It's his very nature. Nature is his very essence. Everybody, whatever your background, can get to know him absolutely the same. Hallelujah. I mean, this is really tremendous news. So you go right back into the Old Testament and Deuteronomy 32, verse 6. That's quite old, right? Do you repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you and made you and established you? who was absolutely like that before COVID hit this planet. And we'll be absolutely like that if and when this moves on. By the way, there may be something else coming. That's good news, isn't it? But the good news for you and me is God's still father. Psalm 68, verse 5, he's the father of the fatherless. Protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Psalm 103, verse 13, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion towards those who fear him. Of course, Jesus bursts onto the scenes and and one of the the questions that's asked him, show us the father. (laughs) And Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the father. Jesus came to reveal more of the nature of the father. He said, how should we pray? He said, our father who art in heaven. It's restoring to the people something they've forgotten. These were the Jewish nation, but they've forgotten that God was always their father and still is and always will be. If one sparrow falls to the ground, how much more does your heavenly father know all about you and about me? And of course, when you become a child of God and you're born again, the DNA, the adopted DNA that's put in you is a knowledge of father, not just at a distance, not blocked because of my bad earthly father, but a revelation of who he is. Romans 8, the spirit cries out, Abba, father. 
I love this scripture, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It just says this, see what kind of love the Father has to, to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And another translation it says, and that is what we are. It's just great. We're the children of God. How did that happen? Because God has always been our Father, and when you become a child of God, you're adopted into his family, and he truly reveals himself as his father to you and to me. COVID, stripped away of other support systems, and it's just you and your heavenly father. Does that draw you closer to him? Is he closer to you? Do you know that he's not stranger or or at a distance? His desire for you and me is an intimacy growingly with our Heavenly Father. And folks, that invitation is straight for you right now. If, you, if you're sitting here today and thinking, oops, I've missed it, a real big lesson during COVID, it's never too late. He's still inviting you and offering you that opportunity. And I really feel some of us today need to just take that to heart. I was very moved by that word about the mat. <laughs> and it's kind of shaky and wobbly, but the moment you put your foot on it, it stays still. It's a strong foundation. This is what the fatherhood is like for you. Whatever happens and doesn't happen in your life, application for you as an individual. What about corporately? You know, there's been an expression of church life in the world that I think some of us have got used to, but I'm not sure that it's the right one. So let's look for a second about a corporate application of this. And that That expression of church has been that to be truly successful as a local church, you have to be big. You have to be influential. It's all about impacts and buildings and TV studios. It's about churches who sadly become about a big crowd of people that are kind of joined together and and maybe come to something that entertains you. It's about appearance. It's about being well organized. And because it's all of those things, it tends to be had to be led by people who are more like CEO type leaders, who then maybe become a bit aloof and a bit above us, and they become like kind of celebrities. And I think that COVID is actually God's heart of beginning to say to us that that kind of church and that kind of leadership is no longer going to be the kind of church or leadership that God has in the future. We just couldn't have our buildings, we couldn't do our meetings, and we couldn't be entertained, and we put everything online, which was kind of entertaining, but actually after a little while became very samey at the same time. We kind of know what's going on. I believe this, that the heart of God is this, that as he is a father, which is what we're just talking about, his church is a family. And his church will be led by fathers. It's like the heart of God is saying that that other kind of church and leadership is kind of crumbling all around the globe right now. And God is saying to us, I will have a church that's like a family and it will be pastored by shepherds that you know. People that are weak and people that set an example and people that are honest and people that do things together so that you and I get to experience something of the fatherhood of God through being part of a community like this. 
the days of church being an organization led by CEOs is coming to an end. And the day of church being a family led by fathers is the future. Now, I'm saying some things that are quite strong. I appreciate that. Not all of us live in this world, but it's a crucial, crucial issue for the future of our mission and the kind of people we are to the communities that we are called to reach. Genuinely, that this will be the case. And so Paul says to the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 4, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, which means teachers, commentators, podcasts, internet sensational celebrity speakers, though you have many of them, that's what he's trying to say. He goes on to say, but you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus. Through the gospel, I urge you then, be imitators of me. You know, church is family, which is made up of children and singles and marrieds and parents and youth and grandparents. And so the church needs to have fathers and mothers that actually exercise the love of God on a regular basis to you. I've got friends saying, Dave, if you keep preaching this, the church won't grow. You've got to be ultra-organized for the church to grow. You've got to, be, you've got to have these techniques. That's the way this thing will grow. You can't just go around talking to people about just being a family. Listen, how do families grow? Families don't grow through tech. Well, there are some techniques, but we can't go into those this morning. <laughs> The church grows through mothers and fathers. Families grow through mothers and fathers who produce sons and daughters. My family, my wife and I, we get married. We have children, and then they have children. And our immediate family is now 23 of us. It's difficult to all get together. The family grew through natural process. King's Church will always grow, not through organization techniques, but through Fathers and mothers, producing a family. Because healthy churches are the ones that grow, which is what we'll be. Well done, everybody. Keep with me. Number two, God the Son. As God the Father, two lessons, one individually, one corporately. Let's do the same with God the Son. I won't be as long on these points as on the first one. But the first is in terms of us as individuals. And I just want to read this well-known passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 10. I just will comment on it just very briefly. It's the story of Mary and Martha. And it says here in, in, John, uh, in Luke 10, verse 38, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. And just as COVID has been an opportunity for us to to know the Father in a deep way, it's also now an opportunity for us to be intimate with Jesus 
the Son of God, God the Son. And this passage of Scripture that I've read to you is about proximity and intimacy. I've heard some strange things about this passage, that it's all about personality types. Are you a Mary or are you a Martha? Which is kind of complicated for guys who are listening to a sermon like that. It's kind of like, are you a Mary type and are you a Martha type? One is very quiet, one is very... It doesn't actually say that in this passage at all. This is a passage about two sisters, one, both of whom have proximity. Jesus is in the next room. But only one has intimacy. And I believe, you know, theologically, that you and I have proximity to Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus, a new and living way, we have access into his presence, and he to us, there's no barrier. You're offered as a child of God total proximity. This is no longer the old covenant where you're kept outside of tents. You're right here in the very heart of God's presence. But you can have proximity and still not have intimacy. Many of us, if we're really honest, would say we live very busy, preoccupied, preoccupied lives. So much baggage, so much going on in our lives. And I wonder if COVID, for many of us, has been like a, a, a pause button to draw us back once again to truly being intimate with Jesus. That's what happened to me when COVID broke and I couldn't travel, couldn't do this and that and everything else in my busy, preoccupied life. You know, even church can be so, so busy. <laughs> That's another sermon. But the reality is you can have all of these things going on and all these activities, but if you don't have this intimacy with Jesus, then everything that we will do will not bring glory to God. Can I just say that with COVID, there's been a pause button to you and me to think about our priorities, to think about our choices, to wonder for a moment if our passion for Jesus could actually grow rather than diminish and that we could be returned to the first love we had once before. And for me, COVID was an opportunity to realize I've got this proximity, but my intimacy with Jesus is not what it's meant to be. And actually joy it's a joyful moment to realize I've got some time and I've got some space where I can think and reflect on whether or not my first love needs to be restored once again. And then very quickly, second application, that's one for us as individuals to consider, but the second one is corporate. That we together, when it comes to our relationship as King's Church with Jesus, that it's really all about him and about him alone this 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 Jesus that we are called as a church to gather around and to proclaim this is a together experience centered in upon Jesus it's our number one calling for the sake of the city of Edinburgh that we become a church alongside other churches that though we talk about these other important things primarily we're here to present and demonstrate who Jesus really is to a world that doesn't know him, many of whom have never heard of him, let, let alone truly encounter him. What's the calling of King's Church? As you emerge from COVID, it's exactly the same as before you went into it, which is primarily to present Jesus because I'm not sure we've got anything else to offer. 
I'm not sure as a church that's in existence. Yeah, we, we, can, we can help people and we can do this and everything, but all we've really got to do is present Jesus. So we are becoming a church that's completely consumed corporately with this Jesus. Every time we gather, every time we pray, every time we relate, it's about Jesus, it's about Jesus, it's about Jesus. How do we do church post-COVID? All my discussions I've had, I've got another little thing to throw in. Why don't we talk to Jesus about how we do post-COVID church? Because he's the one who's building it. We're not, we're not clever. I talk to so many pastors and they say to me, oh, I don't know how to, no one knows how to do it. Jesus does. How, how do we worship? Let's do this, let's do that in worship. Let's center our worship on Jesus. He'll take care of everybody in the room. Don't you worry about who's here and who's not here. How do, we, how do we love one another and become community? We do it by following Jesus. How do we do evangelism more effectively? We just proclaim Jesus and we demonstrate Jesus. All I mean, culture around us is changing so dramatically and so quickly. It depresses me as to how I'm meant to communicate with an ever-changing culture fueled by social media that's constantly changing its views and opinions and its worldview gets further and further away from me, the little Christian, and my biblical worldview, and it's just changing all the time, and people don't believe today what they believe, you know. And if you're a millennial today, you are old news. And if you're Generation X, you don't understand Generation Z, and it's kind of like, whoa, How on earth does the church relate? We've got to be culturally relevant. So we all go on courses to know how to relate to this generation who five years later don't believe the things they believe and now they've changed the game. And when you get old like me, you've got no chance. Can't even remember which generation you're supposed to be from. (laughs) And it's just like so confusing. You know, Christian church sometimes does one of three things when it comes to relating to culture. It It cocoons itself, locks itself away and says, well, I don't understand, so I won't bother. Or secondly, it confronts the culture. And of course, that leads to all sorts of problems and difficulties and very ugly because we become very antagonistic. Or thirdly, we conform. We're just the people who just conform to the culture. And of course, then we've lost our message and we've lost our light and we're no longer sought but what on earth are we going to do with this ever-changing culture in Edinburgh and every week something else believes someone else and it changes and it's difficult? I want to suggest to you, you don't cocoon or confront or conform. You do become like Jesus and how he managed to relate to society. That's the calling of King's Church corporately, to become centered upon God, the Son, to talk about him, to be like him, to be consumed by him. Because as culture changes, this is the person that everybody in an ever-changing culture desperately needs. Truth is not a philosophy. It's a person. And it's a person called Jesus. And philosophies and cultures who change all over the world all the time, and here's the one person. And you and I, as King's Church, get to talk about him and present him to a world that doesn't know him. And how did Jesus communicate? He was kind. He was patient. 
You and I following Jesus, we need to be kind and patient and wise and courageous and uncompromising, but full of grace and full of truth, just like he was. Winsome and attractive. If we as a church in Edinburgh will be like this, it will become so magnetic and so attractive and it will bring such transformation, not because you and I are trendy and cool and we relate to society, but because we're Jesus people and we're reflecting who Jesus is, who is the one that everybody needs. Let's do the Holy Spirit in five minutes. God the Father, opportunity. God the Son, brand new opportunity. And finally, God the Holy Spirit. Just one scripture that reminds you of this. Jesus is speaking and he says this, John 14, verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Amazing phrase, isn't it? I will come to you. It's far better for me to go to the Father because when I do, says Jesus, here's the Trinity again, better to go to the Father. But when I do, I will send you the helper, the Holy Spirit. Folks, he is our helper. And I believe that COVID is meant to teach us more than anything else that we cannot live this Christian life without him. I really hope that you, if you've not really done well in COVID as a Christian, if you've done brilliantly in COVID as a Christian, both of us are the same. We cannot do this in our own strength. We all depend upon the Holy Spirit and we will struggle on without him. One of the sadnesses of COVID is people that I know who have walked away And they've not just kind of walked away from church. That's not really important. What's more important is they've walked away from a living relationship with God. And there are many, many reasons, some valid, some invalid. But one of the most common reasons is this. They didn't actually have much of a relationship that brought a dependence upon the person of the Holy Spirit. When everything is stripped away and even that's not there, then people start to get in trouble. When everything's stripped away and that is there, then there's every opportunity for you and I to get to know God, the Holy Spirit. Couldn't do Sundays, couldn't depend on people anymore, things changing all around us. Maybe it's been an opportunity for you and I to reconsider, how do I live this Christian life? Have I depended too much on meetings and other people? All stripped away, it's now me, and the person of the Holy Spirit. And then finally, there's a corporate expression of the Holy Spirit that's absolutely vital for us if we are going to see this city and this nation and nations changed. And I don't really have much to say about this because on an online preach I did on the 25th of April to King's Church, which you can go on your website and press other messages. Because <laughs> I did it the other day just to check it. Press other messages, and there's Dave Holden speaking on Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 4, which you, many of you will know. It's the passage that Jesus read out when he began his ministry and declares the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us, and he has anointed us to heal the brokenhearted, set the captives free, preach good news to the poor, to present... Beauty instead of ashes. There's been a lot of ashes around recently. And we can't do that in our own strength. 
And so, folks, and I'm going to close with this, please go and listen to that sermon because I, I don't have to repeat it all over again. The basis of that sermon was this, that we as a church in, in Europe, we, we really desperately need the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us, not just as individuals, but corporately. We cannot preach good news to the poor or heal the brokenhearted, you know, or set the captives free in our strength. We just can't do this. But when the Spirit of the Lord anoints us, and part of the journey of post-COVID, this is what I'm trying to share everywhere, again, it's not all our clever ways of handling church. It is for us to realize we desperately need, Europe desperately needs, the church in Europe desperately needs a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we right now should be hungry, thirsty, asking God. And when you do, you're not being presumptuous by saying, God, would you please come by your spirit? He is more willing to give than we are to receive. It's totally acceptable for us to cry out to God, say, we need more of you, Lord. We need more of your spirit. And and, and we'll rebuild church. But if it's just the scaffolding without your life and presence in it, then it'll just be empty. And we'll get new wineskins. But if there's no new wine in it, it's just an empty wineskin. It might look flashier and a bit better than the old model, but it's actually empty. You know, some people say, well, maybe the answer is online church. I really hope not. (laughs) I think online church is an amazing, wonderful provision for us. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking it. I think evangelistically, all kinds of ways to reach this generation is brilliant. But nothing replaces the embodied gathering of the people of God, where God says, I will dwell by my spirit. A fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let's just close our eyes just for a moment. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your smiling encouragements, even though I can't see them. Hallelujah. Father, you invited us this morning during worship. I believe your heart was saying to us, come on. And it's true. If it was only me, you would have done all of these things. And so, Lord, I just ask today, even as we are gathered, so wonderful to be here. But actually, in some ways, so empty without you. And I want to ask for many in this room today who are children of God, who do know that you are their father, that they will use this opportunity to truly trust you and to develop a relationship with you as fatherhood. And I pray for us, Lord, as a church community, that King's Church will never become some ever-growing organization that's led by people that are distant, but rather that we will become a family led by fathers and mothers and reflecting your heart. I pray for more diversity in this church. I, I pray for more grandparents and grandkids and singles and marrieds and students and non-students and all different colors and all the diversity that you have because we are one family and lord i pray that we 
who have proximity to you, Jesus, will not miss this opportunity to have intimacy. Just like Mary sat at your feet, I pray that we will learn how to do that. And then I ask you, as a church community together, what we have to offer this wonderful city is Jesus alone. As the culture comes and goes and changes, I pray as a church we will continue to talk about Jesus. I, I, I ask that we'll be the kind of church that people come looking for things and say, you just keep talking about Jesus. Can't you talk about something else? So we've got nothing better to offer you than this person that can change your life. And I pray, Lord, for any of us struggling, still struggling, that we will no longer rely on our own resources and strength, but realize you've sent the helper. Help us, Lord, to just rely upon him, person of the Holy Spirit. And finally, Lord, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on King's Church? Would you pour out your Holy Spirit on hundreds of other churches in this city? Would you visit this nation and other nations right across Europe with a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit? I keep meeting people, Lord, that have come to the end of themselves. I keep meeting leaders who have come to the end of themselves and then they're saying, come Holy Spirit. We cannot change this world without you. Pour out your Holy Spirit, we pray for the glory of God. Amen.